You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. What's up, 26er family? Welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and we are back with another episode of Extraordinary Occurrences, which we usually do with our producer extraordinaire, Demarcus Adisa, who is here. What's up? Yo. But we have a special guest. Since this is Mother's Day week, we have invited our dear mother on uh, to join us on this episode and participate in the chat. What's going on, Mom Dukes? Hey. Deborah J. White is the name. Yes. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. Glad to be in the land of the living. She made the suggestion, by the way. So really, she invited herself on and we we obliged. <laughs> Mom texted me like, go ahead and hook that up. Go ahead and hook that up. We do a special Mother to Say episode. It's going to be good, though, because we I mean, we talk a bit about like our upbringing and history that gets weaved into the story um, on these episodes and other work that we do. But it'll be good to hear from somebody else's perspective as well. Yeah, it'd be amazing to have um, mom to step in and to give her perspective because so much of who we are is uh, because of who she is and the things that she's done over the past 30 something years. I say 30 something because Delisha was with her longer. And it's about to be 40. Ooh, I can't <laughs> oh, it. Lord. <laughs> I feel like a single tear is just going to roll down my That's cheek. That's all right, girl. You look good. You thank look you, good. Thank you. Thank you. So, how have you enjoyed your Mother's Day so far? I've enjoyed my Mother's Day immensely. That's good. Because I have my Alpha and my Omega. Had an opportunity to spend the day with them and enjoy some good island food. And uh, it's amazing. Yeah, we should have eaten that food after we recorded this, but... It it definitely wasn't a good idea to get that food beforehand (laughs) because I was in a car... About to go in a diabetic coma. Yeah, but here we are. I mean, we've done, we've recorded episodes under worse conditions at 12 o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the morning. Right, that's true. If we could record an episode after that back to school bash yeah, and get through it, anything is possible. Anything Were we is aching possible. that day? Oh man, I needed Epsom salt after that. That was crazy. Anything's possible. So, where do you want to kick off? Yo, Mother's Day was great. We had brown stew fish. Everybody had brown stew red snapper. Um, I was trying to get some curry goat, but they didn't have any. The price of curry goat is going up. The price of oxtail is going up. And I need y'all to stop because I enjoy it. The second restaurant we went to, the, the, the sign said $25 a plate. $25.50. But, it, but it, it classified why? Due to the cost of suppliers going up, which is the case in a lot of things. Just supply chain is crazy. So just don't it doesn't make any sense. But aside from that, you know. Felicia gave mom some flowers. I gave her a car. We had a wonderful uh, dinner. Got to laugh as always. Um, yeah, it was a really good day. Yeah, I mean, the weather was crazy up and down. I don't know what's going on here in Jersey, but right. um, that's not also not helping Four my seasons. energy level because right. it was nice earlier. And it's now it's like Seattle outside. Yeah, right now. just drizzling and cold. But but whatever, we're here. Um so, I mean, let's let's get right into it. People know us on the show and I think our personalities really do shine through. And those who listen often know how we're different, how we're alike. But how were we growing up? Like from your perspective, what were we like as children? And for the record, Demarcus and I are it's some space between us. So we're like six and a half years apart. So I was an only child for a bit. And then uh, and then he came along. But from your recollection, what were we like as kids? Well, Delisha has always been quiet and um, still quiet. 
Mark, on the other hand, my, I used to call him my all-American Jamaican boy because he let me know he was all boy. Delisha was just quiet. Um, you gave her a book. She was good. Mark... On the other hand, you give him some good food. He was good. Let's unpack that a little bit. Because, okay, so the book thing is true because, you know, I can remember um, and, and people, if they've ever listened to the story about how this show even started, they know that um, Christmas was never really about, you know, the gifts and stuff for me. We all often got gifts that were more about utility, like things that we needed. Um, Bad socks. <laughs> socks, a new coat, you know, a new comforter, things like that. Well, I got double A batteries. <laughs> but um, one of the things that you often would do and say, you know, is the night before Christmas, you would say, oh, pick a, you can pick a gift tonight. Personally, this is just shows you how much of a nerd I am. I would always look for the gift that was wrapped like a book. Right? I always wanted the latest and greatest, a lot of different like authors, black authors particularly. And that, let me just say this, I'm already digressing, but like we've gotten all woke in the last couple of years and people have been promoting these subscription books, you know, subscriptions to books with black authors for children and all that. I that's what I grew up on. That's you always found the the black uh, children's authors. I had the Rolling Thunder here, my cry, Circle of Gold. It was like all these authors that you may not know their names right offhand, but I had I had all the books. You were finding a way. This is pre Amazon. Amazon everything. Look hard for those books. You know, that's I so did. crazy because like I can remember the night before Chris's mom just telling me to go to bed. <laughs> I you never know. got to open no good. It was get your mind. My just are you girl. sure? Because let me tell you why they probably changed. Because you had to help wrap the gifts. No, probably. mom really didn't let me help wrap. I would offer, but she was just like, "No, I got it." She wanted it to be a surprise for the both of us. Right. But as we got older, mom was wrapping the gifts the night before. So you know, I think back then when I was super young, your best friend Debbie was around, yes. and like so she had a little bit more help back then. Yeah. Um, before Debbie like had kids of her own, right? Yeah. But uh, so it was different. But yeah, now like <laughs> yeah, when we got a little bit older, it was I'd no be in opening gifts. Staring at the ceiling, like Andy Dufresne. Like, <laughs> are you still doing that? Yeah. <laughs> so um, but to. Demarcus being an all-American boy. All right, let's let's break it down. Now, we we probably have talked about this on the show, how like we're on opposite ends of the schedule. You're very much full time in this like creative life. So you spend, you know, your your peak creativity, peak working hours are in the middle of the night. But the reality of it is this is who Demarcus has been from the beginning. From the very beginning, I'm talking newborn. First day. Never slept. Never slept. Never. Didn't you fall asleep on your boss yes, when you went I back did. to work? Yes, I did. I fell asleep. I had st- I went back to work, started a new job, and um, the boss was, you know, telling me what my job was in, in, in detail. And we're sitting around the table, and I nodded off like a drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to tell him, I have a six-week-old baby at home that doesn't sleep. I apologize. And he, thank God, he was, and we're still friends today. Oh my God, it's been 32 years and we're still friends. He said if it was someone else, I probably would have lost my job. But he felt for me as a mom and him being a parent, he knew what it was like getting up with a baby that didn't sleep. So, And then Demarcus was like, how old was he when he started scaling out of the crib? Oh my God, I think it was like seven months old. Like, I didn't know how my baby was getting out the crib every night. Like, 
You caught Can. it though. Yeah. So you couldn't even walk. That was the crazy part. Yeah. So I think you were just born with like a He-Man kind of strength. Because by the time you were like two, so if you were two or three, I'm like six. No, I'm sorry. Eight or nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were picking me up like full, fully off the ground, like by that age. So <laughs> nobody could figure out how Demarcus was getting out of the crib before he could even walk. And um Looking you in the face in the yeah because like, I eat one day when he started that he could talk he was like I eat want to eat so yeah I think I caught you and you scaled you would scale your way up and then hoist your legs over and then somehow just, just fall on the floor. On the floor. Just, on get up, just like I keep trying to tell people I've been the same person my entire life. Absolutely. How you be cooking one o'clock in the morning? This is what I do. No, literally, <laughs> you have always been a night owl. Always, always. And you know what the 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 thing is? I didn't catch on till like I used to go check up on him. Like you have a certain bedtime, I would go check up on him. He would stay in his bed, but he'd be <laughs> in there wide awake, and I never understood it. And then when you told me the story about being in preschool, well. All the kids would be sleeping on their cot. Oh, yeah. And then you would be talking to the janitor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had a relationship with the yeah, janitor. Cool. They would let me get up because I just wouldn't go to sleep. So they would let me get up and like help set the snacks. And sometimes I get up, I'd be got this little broom. He's sweeping the floor. I'm sweeping too. All other kids knocked out on the cots with the lights. I used out. to get notes too. I never knew about the janitor until you told yeah, me. It was but cool. I was like, you hanging out with the janitor? You know, I always been a people person. I know. Always, always. Been, still is. <laughs> <laughs> Always been extroverted for sure. Always people first. You know, no, you don't know any strangers. But like, so, but how old do you think we were when you felt like, okay, our personalities were starting to shine through enough where you had a sense of like who we might be as people? Well, to be honest, my motivation was, be- was because I was so shy and afraid to get in front of people, talk in front of people, sing in front of people, whatever the case may be. I never wanted you guys to be like that. And so I recall when you were like maybe two and a half, putting a microphone in your in your hand at church and trying to get her to sing, yes, Jesus loves me, because I did not want her to be shy or nervous in front of people like I was, you know what I mean? And so um, that was my main goal. And then because of you going to a Christian school too in the beginning and having to learn all these Bible verses and do all these things. And so that helped me cultivate what I saw in you. You know what I mean? And the same with Mark. Um, I never wanted you guys to be like I was, like too afraid to get be in front of people and to, you know. And I've always noticed the creativity in Mark as far as like um, fixing <laughs> things, tearing things apart, putting things back together, oh, drawing, man. you know. I Remember used he used it. to get the duct tape and the boxes <laughs> and create all kind of things. Yo, mom would get so <laughs> mad because I... So let me let me preface this by saying I was the kid that would take all the tape in the house, all the glue, all the boxes, and I would just make stuff. Make stuff. Yes. I make boats. I make a town. I would come in. What is this in the floor? <laughs> it's creativity. I remember I made an aircraft carrier one time, and you was like, "This is good." Yeah. I thought I was gonna get in trouble because it was stuff all over the floor, scissors, all kind of stuff. You was like, "This is pretty good." She was like, "What did you, you, you?" I was like, "I just cut the pieces and put it together." You're like, "All right." Clean this room up. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe in when you notice something in your child to hone in on it. 
And you know what I mean? Marga, uh, pots is, is toys yes. very early. You were yeah. into pots early. like by the time early. you were like one or two as well. Yeah. Like pro- real pots, not toy not pots. Toy right. Pots. I'm probably the only little boy that had a kitchen set. You had a kitchen and set. That, remember and that thing pots. was made out of metal. That kitchen set was made out of it metal. Was. That was back in the day. That yeah, was back yeah. in the day. And I was so tight when we had to get rid of that. Oh, he was so mad at me. Oh, my God. He was so angry with me. I, was, I felt bad. <laughs> we moved to something and we couldn't take it with us. Oh my god, you were so upset. I with forgot me. all about that. Till you just mentioned, I yeah. really did have pots. As it was kid. yeah, it was like where we were living. There was a little uh, closet area that was like had become your little man cave. Yep. And you had metal pots in there. You'd be imaginary, you know, cooking, cooking imaginary food. And who's still cooking? And and is a good cook, by the way. You heard what my mama said. He's a good cook. <laughs> it's not just for the gram. No. Nope. Yeah. And it's I never I never even thought about that uh, until you just said it. Now I really did have pots, when I was, but he it did. wasn't straight. That's what Dad did. Dad cooked all the time, so it wasn't weird to me. It's so crazy when people say that now with kids, like you can't let no little boy do that. He gonna turn into X, Y, and Z. I was always rough. Nah, but I like food. But Dad cooked, so yeah, it's just yeah, normal. I think yeah. that's why, like, I reject these societal norms that men are just inept when it comes to being domesticated. Mm-hmm. Cause that's just, that wasn't what I saw growing up in our, in our household, you know, and I guess men from the Caribbean, especially mm-hmm. always cooked dead, always clean. was always about clothes being starched yes. and all that stuff. But then it wasn't just him. Pop couldn't even see. He was frying chicken, making flour, flour making bread and all this stuff. Yeah. And then our uncle is the same way. Mm-hmm. He's, he's always cooked and clean. So, and they're men. And men. they are like a man's yeah. man, like complete yeah. alpha male in every sense of the word. So like having that view going up, I like this whole trope that men don't know how to keep house, so they don't know how to put a meal together. Like I'm like I don't know where you grew up, but that that has not been my experience at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah my mom got to give her her flowers because mm-hmm. she was always like. I can remember, I think I was in like third or fourth grade. She showed me how to do laundry mm-hmm. or whatever and pick my own clothes out. And she was like, I'm not, I, I literally, how old are you in like third or fourth grade? Third or fourth grade? Like eight, nine, something Yeah, there. she was like, nine, I'm not yeah. doing this no more. Like you put the, put the colors together. I don't key. have time. <laughs> Independence is key. I, and I, 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 you don't realize it until you get a, an adult. Like everybody's not raised the way you are. And we've talked about that. Right. Since then, just like you get into an age. I remember like I must have been 17 or 18. So almost going to college and you were out of town, probably at a church conference or something. Probably. And um, a couple of my friends like came to stay and we had gone to the movies or something. And then we were like, oh, well, let's, you know, make food, you know, to save money. And I remember going to the grocery store and watching them just like pick up the first brand that they saw mm-hmm. of things. And I'm like, oh, wait. Like, that's not on sale. That's not what we do. Like, who raised you that you just pick up the first thing that you mm-hmm. saw? But I think, you know, um, you were really big on making sure that we knew how to, like, live. Like, we had life skills and also knew our way around the kitchen. I mean, I think I was in the kitchen. Oh, sad. Yeah. Like, Because when I was pregnant with him, I started allowing you to cook and mm-hmm. showing you how to do certain things and trying to prepare you, one, for being a big sis mm-hmm. and the fact that I was having another baby. And so I started early. I don't know if Mark remembers this, too. I bought him one of those electric. I remember she mm-hmm. bought me a hot plate and a toaster. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I was afraid of a allowing them to be on the stove because, you know, I worked a lot, too. Mm-hmm. And so because of my experience of losing a sister as a kid with the stove, I never wanted you guys to be at the stove when I wasn't at home. Mm-hmm. So but my key was to, you know, train you and to teach you how to be independent and know how to take care of yourself, male and female, not just 
not just my daughter, but my daughter and my son. Right. And I think I, I don't know how old I was when I learned like meat, starch mm-hmm. and a vegetable. Like that is a complete right. meat. Like when did you teach me how to clean chicken? I don't even know. I don't remember, but I had to. But it was early because yeah. I was broiling chicken. Like, yeah, if nothing were. else, it was like you knew how to make some steamed broccoli, steamed broccoli. put some rice on and broil, broil or baked chicken. At mm-hmm. least if there At was least. nothing else, you yeah. could do that or a quick pasta dish. And I used to love Yan Can cook. So now I started doing like Asian stir fries and stuff. Um, but you also like, I think, gave us space for experimentation in the kitchen, too. So it's like, OK, if you're cooking, whatever you want to make, you do your thing. It, it's Just fine. Just don't be opening too much stuff. But <laughs> if it's open, you got it. You got it. You got to have it. Yeah. But yeah, so I think, you know, that just people who just don't have those life skills. I was just like. I remember Mark telling me when he went off to um, college that his roommates were asking him, dude, like, where'd you learn how to grocery shop and learn how to cook and all of that. And he told me he thought it was strange. He thought everybody, everybody's parents did that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people do, a lot of parents do not prepare their children for life and mm-hmm. being away from home and being away from, I cannot tell you how many parents I talk to today. Their kid don't know how to boil water. They don't know how to wash their own clothes. They don't even know how to make their bed because they do everything for them. Right, yeah. it's true. But I think that also comes from now, yours probably a bit more traumatic, but you being the oldest as well and like having to cook for a whole house, a whole house with, yeah. you know, parents, siblings, several siblings mm-hmm. as well. So that was a different situation. So I feel like you did a good job of like taking the things from your childhood that were useful mm-hmm. and carrying that into where you, the way you parent. But then, um, you know, changing some things, too, which is yes. always like crazy for us, I think, because our view of our grandparents, just like the most loving people ever, you know, just, just you know, will do anything for you, so soft and caring, just they happy to see you coming. And not that you didn't have that either, yes. but it was definitely like, you know, we talk about post-traumatic slave syndrome and the oh way like God. that generation of black no, parents, different no situation. Idea. Whole, whole nother, whole nother story. Different situation. Different, whole nother situation. You know what I mean? But like one thing is interesting about the way that we grew up too like you know people of our generation you hear them talking about growing up on kool-aid and stuff like that oh man it was none of that in our Yo, household that was a negative mom would always say the same thing i'm not giving my kids that junk <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have fried foods in the house no nah. we didn't it was have, special treat it was it was really a yeah special it had occasion. to be like something you just it's not because you didn't know how to fry again because the house you grew up in i fried chicken the many yes, days we did, it had to be a special occasion I think you taught me how to fry chicken. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe. Um, we didn't really have a lot of red meat in the house. No, nah, we didn't eat a lot of beef. It was usually like that was special, like Easter mom. Yeah, like if I had if we had red meat, it's because I decided that I was gonna make steak or something for us. And even then it was like Chuck steak. I didn't right. really get into quality steak until many years <laughs> later. Um, but it was no soda. No oh, soda never. At we all. never no had bite. soda in the house. And I think I didn't even realize how um, conditioned I wasn't that way until I got out on my own and people would come to my house and say, do you have Coke or something? Mm-hmm. But because of the way we grew up, we were not prohibited from having we went out, mm-hmm. you know, so you go to Fridays or, you know, a Happy Meal or something. It was always Sprite. Like you could get, you know, you would get a Sprite. But because we never bought soda growing up when I got mm-hmm. out on my own, I have ne- all these years later, I've never kept soda in my house because I just I'm like, do people do that? Because I just, you know, our grandparents always had a Pepsi, yes. a two oh, liter man. of Pepsi now. But um, 
<laughs> we just didn't grow up that way. And then I, you know, gave up soda uh, altogether in my 20s. and was like, okay, this is, you know, and that wasn't hard to do because I didn't grow up with it. Right. And we didn't grow up with it. The only soda I will drink is the Black People's Cure All. Ginger Ale. They you know, say it like that. Ginger Ale. Ginger Ale. Feeling a little bit queasy or what have you. Um, but that's really Black people's antibiotic for everything. It's a cure to COVID. <laughs> <laughs> You just need a two-liter cigarette. Fake news. Don't don't take yeah. that seriously. Um, so, yeah, I think there are certain... You you really were keen even back before the health is wealth movement and before people really had um, an understanding of a lot of things. You were really, like, ahead of your time, I think, for the Black community and, and the way that you raised us. And then you just went full pescatarian. I sure did. Mom got on that fast and, and never, never came, came back. Never came back. But this is what I respect. She didn't force us to get no, on right. that with her. I would never her. do that. This is no. what I was because usually, you know, your parents do something and it's just like a wrap. I could eat whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. But the most part, it's the same thing. It was still like, mom, when we were two, when I was super young, she would buy bologna. But like by the time it was like maybe fourth or fifth grade, it was just like all turkey. There's no ham, you know, wheat bread, potato bread. You know bread. better, you a, do better. Yeah, like <laughs> the more she found out about that, she would just switch and you just adjust it. So, but it was never like if we went to the deli, I couldn't get a ham sandwich. It's mm-hmm. just we're not having that in the house. We're not eating bacon every morning. Right. But I think that's how you kind of learn in the grand scheme of things to like have things in moderation. Like, right. You can have this. You just can't have this every day. Mm-hmm. But I think it, that goes back again of, you know, growing up in the house, you did having two parents that were diabetic and every other family member that we've yeah. had that had all sorts of health complications because of their diets. But what yeah. I mean, really what pushed you to change the cycle? Because I think inherently a lot of people know that if I eat this way, it's going to cause these issues. But we also just pray for healing and hope for the best. But really, yeah. like what, what was the driver for you to really break the cycle? I really felt like, um, to be honest, I felt like I heard something within me mm-hmm. to tell me that to stop eating meat. And then I tried, I actually tried to go back to it. And then I heard one morning, I'll never forget when we were living in um, our condo, literally like it was a loud voice that yelled and said, stop eating meat. And I was like, okay. But it was for the betterment of me mm-hmm. and the betterment of my health because things started changing within me. I saw the change in me when I stopped eating red meat. You know what I mean? And, and also, you know, years later, not having this, you know, the family history, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Of, of uh, like, like, like Mark said, the diabetes and the this and the that and all of that. I felt like, you know, and as the years have progressed, I see the change in, in me and I'm still trying to do better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As far as my health and, and everything is, I'm 61 and proud of it. You know what I mean? So again, I think when you know better, you do better. And I know my family history. And so why not try to do better so mm-hmm. I can, you know, try to be on this this side a little bit longer mm-hmm. if I take care of me. Yeah. You know? So from, yeah. from your view, what do you remember about like our childhood and our family dynamic? Man. <laughs> uh, from, our, from, from my view, I just knew, I knew... Um, that mom ain't playing no games. Like she loved me, but like act a fool if you want to. <laughs> right. I'm coming for you. And like people, and then it used to crack me up because you know, you know, mom, we go around, hang out with her friends, or other people's kids would do stuff. And they'd be like, man, your mom ain't gonna care. I'm like, you talking about how you know my mom when we're all together, or what your mom is gonna do. Like, my mom will take everything away from me. <laughs> I'll be sitting in my room with a flashlight. <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying? Like, if I don't listen to her. Um, but I mean, it was all. I don't ever. I don't ever think. Um, I don't ever think anything mom did was like. Um, from our childhood, like growing up, was just like out of rails. As an adult now, I just think it's her trying to raise a black, a boy into a man, and trying to keep him on track and not, you know, be false susceptible to a lot of stuff. But I just knew uh, mom loved me. There was no doubt about that. But I, I think she had to be a disciplinarian mm-hmm. because that's just what she had to do. Because you know, I used to get, in, I used to get in trouble. <laughs> I used to get in trouble in school all the time, and it's crazy. I, th- I think about it now. Me and mom always had a good rapport, but I always, my, I always view mom more in a sense that, as far as the childhood go, mom is like, we gonna have some days or some treats. She might pop up with a, oh, I'm gonna take you to J.C. Penney to get a game, not knowing that she's gonna take me to the section where all, everything on sale. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we have those days too. But like, Nana was the one that be like, I don't care, get what you want. And mom was like the voice of reason. It was almost like mom was like my dad, almost like, okay, you got this, you can work with this, and Nana. Was be like, nah, bro, we gonna, the, how much the game costs? We gonna get them the game. That Listen, Nana was very loving, very giving, zero fiscal responsibility. Oh, none whatsoever. <laughs> I love her for it, but it, looking back, that wasn't it. When you're a kid, it's the greatest thing in the world. Um, and and I think uh, always, I think I think the relationship we have, the dynamic that we have, is a lot because of mom. I mean, you know, we we told told the story on here before about how loving Nana was, and talk about you know keeping our family and our kids together. And I think mom passed that along, and there was always a respect I had to have for you, even though uh, you were my sister or whatever, but you were t- to be treated a certain way. And if I ain't treat you th- that way, I was going to hear it from you first. And then I was going to get it from mom and well, whoever absolutely. else she told. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so um, it's just, I think it was just like a lot of things. And as a kid, you just like, what the fuck? Why can't I push my sister down? That's my sister. But like, you know, it it makes more sense to me looking back at 32. Like, yeah, that, that would have been a good thing. Or me just shouting. I, we don't, I don't ever like to this day, we don't really get into arguments, but we didn't argue like that as kids. No. I'm also like very uh taken aback by friends who have that dynamic with their siblings where they're like yelling and being all disrespectful mm-hmm. just because we never, you know, we never had that in our in our household. That was not okay. And no. I, yeah, and I think too, also maybe it's just the, the that we we are so far apart in age we were just at different stages mm-hmm. so it was more so like was Ridiculous. no fighting over toys you know it was, it's just right. I was just you know a bit older so there was none of that right. really but I, what I will say is I mean it was a little bit different when we were sharing rooms back in the day but when we finally got our own spaces mine would let me go if I was mad about so I'd go in the room and close the door and just mm-hmm. be in there it wasn't like I had to be a part or nothing. Because, you know, I could be moody sometimes mm-hmm. or whatever. Anybody that know me for real. you, you don't know, sleep well. That's yeah. why. <laughs> yeah, I could be moody in the mug. But mom would just kind of leave me be. As long as I didn't, you know, I ain't catching no attitude. To, if I ain't got nothing to say. And she'd be like, all right. Yeah, I mean, that's why, like, you know, they do these whole things black moms do and say it, you never were like the whole, why is my door closed? Like, we could close our doors. Yeah. We a private. We time. never had curfew. It was just like, just let me let know me where know you're going to be, mm-hmm. who you're going to be with. Now, if you change the game plan. Oh, you got it. Oh, that's it's a, a whole other thing, which happened to me. I was, it was, I was 18. Mm. 
So I'm about to leave for school. This mm. is literally like the last few weeks. It was warm outside. This means I know where I'm going to college. I'm preparing to go like whole nine, you know, saving money for school. And it was one of the last weekends that um my, me and my girlfriends were going to be together, mm-hmm. you know, before people kind of like did their thing for the summer. I went off to school and we used to go. I'm really aging myself now. We used to go bowling. Right. And there was mm-hmm. this place we used to go. I think it was in like Point Pleasant or something. They used to do um like laser bowling. It was like they would turn the lights down. They would play music and videos or what have you. So we went bowling. I said, that's where we were going to be. I said around the time I was going to get home. I got home around that time. But on the way back, we stopped at the windmill <laughs> for burgers, right? I'm not thinking anything of it because I'm like, it's on the way. Like we literally, everybody was just hungry and we were driving on Ocean Avenue mm-hmm. or whatever, driving by the, wind, the windmill. So the next day you're like, oh, how was bowling? I was like, oh, it was great. We had a good time. You know, we just went there. We stopped for burgers at the windmill on the way back. And then I came home. It was like record scratch. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. You did what? <laughs> the windmill was not on the agenda when you told me you were. And I'm thinking like, I'm with all these people. All we did was stop, pick up I the burgers, play with that. get oh, back up. in the car and continue on our way home. But that was like a big, My- <laughs> big, big Did you ever figure out why though? I don't honestly why you tell me I'm going to tell you. OK, why. go ahead. Because my theory was and I think I explained this to Mark too, raising, you know, raising him up because you were in school when he was at home. Um, my thing is that when you told me where you were going and I always trusted you guys that you would be mm-hmm. honest with me, that I knew where you were. So if something went down and somebody tried to tell me something different, mm-hmm. well, I like, know my kid went bowling. My kid didn't go to no burger joint. She went bowling. And so my theory was I needed to know where you were in case something went down. I would know where you were at. And so if you change the change up the itinerary and then tell me, then I would know that, oh, you went somewhere else, too. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was my theory that as long as I knew where you were and there was no problems, I was good. But if you altered, detoured from that and then if something went down and somebody come knocking on my door, bang, 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 bang. Your kid is at bank. No, my kid is not because my kid went bowling. <laughs> I was just trying to get a cheeseburger. Uh- <laughs> I just wanted a cheeseburger <laughs> and some shoe strength fries. Right. And clearly I thought nothing of it, considering that I said it. Right. Because I could have just been like, bowling was you fine. Could, yeah. End of story. Um, but, but you were always honest, right, too. Right. Exactly. So I really didn't, you know, at the mm-hmm. time I didn't think anything and, of it at all. And that was the thing. That was the thing, too. Mom always used to say, you know, before, if I was getting into some trouble at school, tell me what happened. Tell me everything. Mm-hmm. Don't have me going in here looking crazy. Yep. Tell me what happened. Just tell me the whole story so I can go in here and defend you. And you'll be thinking sometimes as a kid, not knowing the whole adult, I look back at certain things now and realize like, yeah, I might've acted a fool in certain aspects, but some of these teachers was acting crazy exactly. and these administrators, but you know, you're a kid, you just think if I tell the truth, I'm going to get in trouble. Like, no, they were adults. They were wrong or whatever. But mom always used to say that. Just be honest with me. Tell me what happened. We'll go from there. But if you lie to me, Oh, it's a problem. Oh, right. It's going to be a real I'm problem. I'm tolerating a lot of it. Nope. <laughs> I, I was my famous. I will never forget him coming home telling me some story about when he was in uh, private school and they called him in the office because he laughed at the teacher. And I asked him, they told me their version. I asked him to tell me his version. And when he told me his version, he had a right to laugh. That lady deserved to be laughed Yes, at. he had a right tell to the laugh. Story, tell, tell the story, bro. Tell the story. Tell the story. No, no, tell the story. I'm trying to cut off this content. You sure you want me to tell the story? Oh, boy. <laughs> First of all, that lady 
and we've you know we've talked about private school and the, its effect on black children. So yes. that that's a whole other vibe and what it have really you. is. But um, you know that woman, she, she really shouldn't have been in administration no. <laughs> with uh, with little kids at that, and particularly. Yeah. Kids that didn't look like her. Right. So, and also, if you don't wear the proper undergarments as a woman and your whole body is jiggling Jiggling. all over the place, what do you expect to do? He was little. He was like second grade little. Like, (laughs) to see all of that, you know, (laughs) jiggling. Like, he told me, I was like, yeah, he laughed. He had a right in my head. I'm like, yeah, he had a right to laugh. But you know what I mean? So, I just always appreciated you guys being honest with me and telling me. And like I always, like he said, I always said to him, then I can defend you. I can't defend a lie. So when someone says to me that you said something differently, no, my kid's not going to lie to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's why I'd rather you tell me the truth, hurt my feelings, make me be, I might feel disappointed, but overall, I'm going to appreciate honesty. Yeah. And I think, too, that's why, like, I'm always blown by these my generation and their kids Mm -hmm. who, like, don't address adults by miss or mister or don't say thank you or don't somebody does something for you and they don't even call. Like, you could send something to somebody's kid. You don't even get a call to say thank you. The parents say, hey, they got it. They Mm -hmm. like it. That would not have flown in our house. They would come bring you to the phone, hang you, call you in the room and hang you to receive. Yeah. Yeah. Thank Thank you for that card you got. It was, it was just very different. I remember, you know, respect for your elders was a big deal. And I remember being at school, this is when I was still in Christian school, and um, it was after school one day, and this boy, his mom was there. It was like she was talking to another parent, and he was like, and she was another black mom, and she was, he was terrorizing me, like chasing me all over the place, touching me, just doing all this other stuff. I think he was like the great under me. And not that I was scared, but it was just like, why are you touching me? Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't even a bully situation. It was just leave me alone. Oh, His wow. sister was in, in my grade. I probably was waiting for like Uncle Lindsay or somebody to come pick me up. Mm-hmm. And so he's like running all around. So I'm like, so finally I yelled at him, like, you know, out of frustration, like, please stop. So then, and he's like laughing. So then all she heard was me yell and said, what's going on over here? And in my frustration, I said, you need to get your son. Just like that. I must have been like, if this is Providence, a sixth grade, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it was like the minute I said it, I felt all the blood just drain. I, <laughs> I, like, because this is a black mom. Mm-hmm. If it was, a, you know, a mom of another persuasion, right. it probably would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But immediately her face was, you know, don't talk to me like that. Right. And if you have a problem with my son, you could come to me. And I remember like, I knew you weren't coming to get me. Mm-hmm. I was like praying like, Lord Jesus, please don't let this woman look in the directory and call my mom. <laughs> I was scared for dates, checking the caller ID and the whole oh night. She never did. But I got it, a similar story, but I'm going to let you finish. But it was just literally like, because of the way we were like taught and mm-hmm. reared is like, you don't address adults in a certain way. And it literally just slipped out. Right. Because he had been harassing me for mm-hmm. like 25 minutes. But yeah, thankfully she never called. <laughs> Look, it was a I stressful a, few days. I got a similar stories after church. Uh-oh. I ain't gonna say no names, but you know how boys are rough house and this, that, and the other. And it got a little out of hand. So one of the moms said something. And I said the same thing. She was like, Well, you don't do my son. I'm like, Well, you need to get your, get your son because he tried to jump bad. So I hemmed him up. And she just saw me hemming him up. So she yelling. And I'm just like, You get your son. Like it escalated. But I'm a kid. Like if it's Eminem Hall, like, I'm, I don't. I might have been in middle school. I probably was like fifth or sixth grade. Why did I say that? She was all did the little lean back, like oh, and went directly to mom in the back of that truck. Man, mom came over, went off on me. 
I had to I apologize. went up in front of you, everybody, in front of everybody. Yeah, I had to apologize. <sighs> and the whole I think ride I back, this. the whole ride back, she looking in the rear view like you don't talk to no adult. I was like, but my, he, it don't matter. You supposed to come get me, but you know, people. I don't know. Those things are kind of. It's yeah. It's a lost art. Lost a art, lot but of I, people. But I also think uh, I don't think people are as communal as they once were. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not like this is a super long time ago. But like that was like a kind of communal setting. Everybody kind of gets the reverence of an auntie or uncle. Mm-hmm. They're older, gets the reverence of like a grandparent. But I don't know if people are still doing that with everyone. No, I don't know. I think they're like as a subset. Of parents who are really old school in that way, mm-hmm. but for the most part, these kids, I'm like, wow, I, I just millennial parents. Yeah, I don't know what's really going on. I'm 32 years old. I still don't feel comfortable calling certain people by their first name. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You I wait for the them to thing. give you license yes. to you say know, that. Okay, yeah, for sure. Because I still, I even at my age, I respect people that are older than me mm-hmm. by calling them Miss or Mister or you know because right. that's the way my parents raised me and that's called respect. And when I hear a younger person call, even to this day, when I hear a younger person call me by my first name, I'm offended by that. We're not peers. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We you are know not what I mean? peers. I might be friends with your parent, but I'm not. I'm still Mr. Bora. And I think sometimes people look at you because you, you're you so fun mm-hmm. and you look so much younger than you are and you're fit that sometimes people just get a little bit too comfortable. Probably. You know, Probably. Um, which is still not OK. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I'd listen to young parents talk about is just trying to find and create opportunities for their kids and how much things cost. And, you know, I just, I don't have access. So these are all the barriers to entry for me. Um, and I feel like growing up, you always found a way for us to have, to be exposed to a lot of different things and a lot of different interests and extracurricular activities. Uh, you always found a way. So how did you do that? How did you create access to these, all these different resources for us to really explore our giftings and talents? It was a lot of um, trial and error, meaning like my, like even with my work setting and the people that I worked with, I did a whole lot of listening, which people don't do a lot of now, listening. Mm-hmm. I did a whole lot of listening and researching. And I've always had that thing called faith to believe that if this was a desire that I wanted, that I could some way possibly fulfill it. Like people used to ask me, how did I afford to send you guys to private schools? But what they didn't know is that there's always an opportunity for the want, the less fortunate ones that maybe you couldn't afford to pay the whole tuition. Like I knew all the ins and outs of that. Like, okay, they gave you a refund if you didn't take a bus. The the town you lived in, you got some kind of refund if you didn't use the bus system. So it was like there was always a where there was a will, there was all always a way, but you have to be willing to do all the homework and do all the the behind the scenes things in order to make it happen. You can't just, when you go to one door and it's it's shut, throw your hands up in the air air and say, oh, this is, I can't afford this. This is not going to happen. I've always, in everything that I've ever done in raising you guys and being an adult is that I didn't go to a door that was closed and said, that's it. This is not happening. You know what I mean? And so anything that I could find to do that for you guys to do that, was extra activities, I just found a way, you know what I mean? And so when I hear other people say that, oh, their kid can't do this, like someone just said to me recently that their grandchild wants to take horseback riding. 
um, lessons, right? And dismiss the whole thing before even checking into it, before even seeing if it was possible, just dismiss the whole thing. And I, as a parent, I don't believe in dismissing where there's a will, there's There's a way you got to do some, some kind of homework, some kind of research, talk to people and cause some people know things that you don't know. You know what I mean? And, you know, you never know who will be that avenue for you to get where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And right. I think and that saying that it takes a village to raise children. I've lived by that also. Like you mentioned about you, you thought that Uncle Lindsay or someone else was coming to pick you up for, from school. It's like. It took a whole village to raise you guys. And so if I found an activity, maybe I'm working and I can't pick you up. But maybe one <laughs> You might of my, be there like, got to find your own ride. Yeah, <laughs> you know, basically maybe Nana will pick you up or maybe one of my brothers would pick you up. It's like, I never gave up. And I believe as a parent, by all means necessary, that you should do what you can for your children and not just in the scope of what you think you can do for them. I just want to piggy off back off that and say that uh, also once she she put you in something you got to finish it absolutely like you I think which was an important lesson you might not like it this that and other but once the money is paid mm-hmm. there's no quitting until it's over with now whether it's lessons or another season once that cycle ends okay if you don't want to do it you don't want to do it anymore but if you say hey, I want mom I want to do this and mom enrolls you in it oh you about to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless there's just something so crazy going on where she says, oh, I got to pull you up out of here. No, you're committed to that. There was really no quitting anything in our house. Right. Um, it's like with you taking um, piano lessons mm-hmm. and all the different piano teachers that you had. And most people don't know that you started taking piano lessons like at four. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my girlfriends who turned out to be my auntie later in, in life, but started out giving you lessons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I remember one of my coworkers started giving you lessons. So. There is a way, you know what I mean? I was like, and I know you've gone and taken classes professionally also, but like you said, when the money runs out, you still can't give up. Like I saw the the gift, I saw the talent and I wanted to be able to sow into your life. And like I said, you never know who you're going to encounter that can help you along the way. Right. Because it literally takes a village. Yeah. And I think, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, so what are you going to say? I'll, I'll go after you. Yeah, but what I think is like interesting, and I think this is inherent in a lot of people in our family, honestly, is you get in these environments, particularly like white dominated spaces mm-hmm. like soccer or, you know, art classes or this and that. I haven't said, you know, engineering program mm-hmm. at one point. I'm not a math science person at all, but I was in there on every yeah, Saturday. Because um, my, my friends. Yeah, but <laughs> what I always found really, I don't think I realized it then, but like... Now, you know, being an adult, looking back, cheerleading, all this stuff, it was always these kids who like had been training forever or Mm -hmm. like at all these extra things, extra coaches, extra this, extra gymnastics. And you like you would have none of that and then come in and be able to hold your own. You know, so it I think our family just have a lot of inherent athleticism, inherent gifts, you know, and then just given the arena to really explore that. You might have been the odd man in mm-hmm. there, you know, or the token or what have you. But like I always I never went in those environments feeling like these kids are better than me. Mm. I, I might have like really knew my otherness because that was I would stare at you like you were literally an oddity. Right. Mm-hmm. And God forbid you talk. Mm-hmm. They would everything would stop and they would look at you like mm. she talks, you know. So that was always weird. Another podcast for another day. 
Um, but I always felt like I had capability. Right. I didn't. I, I never felt like those kids were better than me. I always mm-hmm. thought that they probably had more money than I did. Right. Like, wow. Like y'all just jumped out of the Volvo truck mm-hmm. or something like that. Well, there wasn't Volvo trucks back then. But you get what I'm saying. You get the gist of it. But never, never felt like people were necessarily better than me. What I wanted to ask you, Delisha, is mm-hmm. since you brought all of that, when did you realize like mom was like a hustler? Like how old were you when you clicked in your head? Like you called me a hustler. Mom, <laughs> like mom. <laughs> Just really be doing whatever she needed to do to get this. Oh, it was early for me. It was like, I don't even know if you were born yet. It was the beef patty hustle. Hey. So like, yeah, most people know, you know, now that our our dad, breast in peace, was, you know, Jamaican. Mm -hmm. So I remember taking the trips all the way to like New York to get these frozen (laughs) beef patties. Bring them home. It was like on a Saturday, you have Mm -hmm. them. You defrost them. They would be cooked Sunday morning before church and wrapped in foil and put in one of the old school styrofoam disposable coolers and would sell out every Sunday. Sunday. And let me tell you how much of a hustler mom was. I was like five paying for my own beef fatty. I didn't get a pro bono. I didn't get a... I didn't get anything for free. I always had money because, you know, I've always been a saver. Mm-hmm. So I had to put in my $2 or whatever for, for a beef fatty after church. But I think it was then and then the hot dog cart mm-hmm. where I knew, um, oh, no, like she's she's really a hustler. She's going to like make it happen. But then this is when like for me, I was like, oh, this is next level. Right. And I think I've talked to you about this recently. So and we've said this before, I think, on the show, you know, you had corporate secretary career for years, you mm-hmm. know, in corporate America, which is to your point, how you had access, a lot of information. Right. But it was always another hustle mm, on, on the, the side. side. So um, this is, I think, really, I was very cognizant of mom's hustle mentality because I don't think I would have been able to do this. So. You always had to like hook up on gospel music, right? So that yes. started working with Mr. Daniels, who mm-hmm. was like the man back in the day mm-hmm. for any gospel album that you you needed. And not just the man for sourcing stuff. Remember when tours would happen, he would sell for the artists mm-hmm. at the concerts. Yeah, I went to so a you, couple. <laughs> yeah, so you would work with him, you know, on Saturdays and stuff. But mom was the only person I know who was employed at a company, at a Fortune 500 company. <laughs> and it's also the vendor down in the cafeteria yes! at, over lunch, right? <laughs> So I don't know if like companies do this as much, but you know, back in the yeah. day in the nineties and the early two thousands, you would go to the cafeteria at an AT&T or J and J or whatever. And it would be vendors down there, craft people, Songbirds, jewelry, gospel music, what have you. Right. She is upstairs <laughs> working as a corporate secretary. And it'd be like Nana at the, yes, <laughs> the vendor booth down yes. there. Selling my music. Yes. So it was just like, and now having been in corporate, you know, since I was 18, which is crazy. I don't know if I would have had the guts to do that. I did it. It's called survival. Man. When did you figure that out? I don't think it really clicked in my head until I think mom, because, you know, we was always doing stuff, Mm -hmm. especially back in the day, like Red Bank days, like dropping off phone books, delivering phone books, just all kind of stuff. Like we were always doing stuff. I don't think it really clicked in my head until mom started making like T-shirts mm-hmm. or whatever. Because I'm like, I remember, you know, going to Mr. Daniels and being there. Mr. Daniels, like I would unload, help unload the truck or whatever. Mom turned me into like a worker. Mm-hmm. Like when I was super young. Like, I, like baby. we were moving that stuff the other day. We were moving a, uh, uh, what was it? What is, what was that? A, a buffet. Your buffet you. the other day. 
And it was just like, I don't know how I'm going to get it through here. This and other. And we were like kind of lifting it in that joint, like rightfully so. The leash is strong, but that joint is like heavy. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, I don't want to tear the floor. I'm like, hold up. Put it on. The, I went and got the hand truck, put it on the side, and like we wheeled it out mm-hmm. and then set it down together. And I was just like, your mom really had me moving stuff at like six or seven years Listen. old. Like I was a grown man. Like, Listen. Moving whole apartment <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. But like, it was just what we did. It wasn't, I, I just thought it was like regular life, but I don't think it really dawned on me that mom was like on to something until like I saw her with the t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Cause like she would be selling other stuff with Mr. Daniels. I would go to conferences, help her load up, be CDs, try writing receipts, doing all kinds of stuff. Mom would put me to work. But I think I remember her with the doodles for the T-shirts, the heart to heart T-shirts, and then her actually getting it printed up and then like going places and seeing people. And I'm like, I'm a kid, like amazed. Like she got a shirt and people are not only buying this shirt, but they're wearing it. Like people are walking up at these. Events. Oh, my God, I like this. What is who designed this? And I was like, I designed it. And she's sliding the card out. They have a whole conversation. People coming back. I'm going to buy one for my mom. And this was the 90s. This, I mean, you know, now everybody got a T-shirt business. Mm-hmm. Everything's on demand. You could set up a whole online store and they're printed as people order them. But this was back in the day. Well, no, you had to go somewhere. Yeah. You know, you had the design. You got the uh, the screen done mm-hmm. or what have you, print screen. And then like you had an inventory. And when yeah. that inventory was done, you had to re-up. So you were really doing that early, pushing it. You remember when mom was pushing Bibles? Yes, I do. You were really a Bible dealer. I was. The word. But let me tell you why it was so great. Because, you know, this is back when, like, church was going through really a shift. Like, the early T.D. Jakes years mm-hmm. and where people were, were really starting to um, move. Even I should say evangelicals were really starting to move into, like, interpreting and exegeting and all this stuff. So it wasn't just about King James anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, all these different versions of the Bible were coming out. People were learning Hebrew and Greek. It was it was really a shift happening mm-hmm. amongst evangelicals. And you were on it because whatever Bible was mentioned at church... Mom would have it in the car. Had the she inventory could, on that. And if she didn't have it, she like, I'll get it to you. Yes. Yeah. You can write me a check, blah, blah, blah. I have it. I'll order it. I'll have them. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. I got it. Mom was early on. Mom had the Madeira tapes before anybody I knew. I was telling somebody the other day, them Madeira tapes kept the lights on for a while because right. mom was selling them joints like hot. Anything Madeira would be gone. She and let's like, be clear. These were the real, the no the bootlegs. bootlegs. Real Madeira. Real I didn't believe Madea. in bootlegs. Mom didn't believe in that. People would always ask for bootlegs. She's like, I don't do that or whatever. But she would have the real deal tapes in the tub work. So she'd be talking. You know, I was getting my little chips off. He had his own business too. I had my own business too, selling chips and sodas. <laughs> and she'd be like, Mark, go in that bag and see if we got any more of them Madeira tapes. <laughs> and every Sunday, mom would sell a few of them tapes for a while. Yeah, I mean, and I think that you've always been really enterprising and always uh, like ahead of your time. But I think that's where we've just got it from. You exactly. were selling tapes. I was babysitting super. People were letting me oh, babysit man. before I was old enough old to really enough. babysit. But let's not forget you were delivering newspapers. Oh, well, yeah, that was my first before job. Before you were old enough. And yeah, I forced you. You did kind of force me. I did. Which was cool, though, because I always liked... I've always been, a, even when I was a kid, a person who liked having my own. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to have to ask people for anything. wasn't really about allowance. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted my own money, and I've always been pretty good with money. Mm-hmm. So I was okay with the um, 
With the paper route, except for that, that, cra- one that one scary older lady who's trying to give me rotten fruit. <laughs> but but then this is mom, right? This is why I think we're so fearless. Because you knew I didn't like that woman. Mm-hmm. And you knew that I used to deliver. It wasn't to her. It was the people across the hall from right. her in an apartment building. And they were really nice to me, too. Mm-hmm. They always gave me, like, tips and stuff. But she would wait <laughs> for me to come. And I would be trying to, like, drop the paper mm-hmm. and, like, bolt out of there before she realized I was there. But if it was a... um. You know, because this is back in the day, you didn't pay for the paper online. Mm-hmm. We had, you had to collect the, money. collect the money. So if yeah. it was a pay week, you know, at the end of the week or what have you, they didn't leave the envelope. I had to wait for them to come to the door. Mm-hmm. So I'm like knocking on these people. Now you have to understand this. You okay. How old was I with a paper? You route? had to be like six, seven. Maybe. It wasn't even in my name because I wasn't it old wasn't, enough to be a paper. Girl. Guilty right. as charged. So I'm like, fe- like knocking on the door like, oh, my God. And I could hear the woman, her feet shuffling <laughs> across the floor. And she would open the door. And I'm like, hey, how are you? You know, with her rotten she fruit trying to get nice me rotten. To but she just looked crazy. Mm-hmm. She was super frail. And the fruit was always rotten. But. Even though I was scared, you always made me do it anyway. I did. So that's just, I think, why we are the way that we are, because there was no cowering. It wasn't like, just because you're afraid, you just do it afraid. Mm-hmm. Right. Just yeah. like I, everybody knows, I hate funeral homes and dead people, but mm-hmm. you made me deliver the, the, those home oh, books really to the funeral home. Oh, yeah. 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 Mom was always big on that, especially like the thing, like a lot, a lot of times, two things. It's like, you could ask her something and she would tell you to go look it up. She mm-hmm. would know the answer, but go find the answer. Mm-hmm. Or she'd say something. I remember one time mom said I was an entrepreneur. I was a kid. I was like, what does that mean? And she was like, you got a dictionary? Look it up and tell me what you find. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so I went and looked it up. I was like, oh, she's right. And I remember one time, and mom got a sense of humor. This is where we get it from or whatever. Because I, I really think that's what our house, we did more than anything is just laugh and joke. Mom called me a vagabond one time. And I didn't know what it was. I was a kid. And I looked it up and I was cracking up. And she's like standing in the doorway laughing. I got this little paperback dictionary. I sure enough went to school and called somebody a vagabond too. Oh man, her yeah, real vagabond. laugh is coming out. Huh? Her real laugh is coming out. She got comfortable. Yeah, vagabond. Yeah, for sure. But I think my mom just always kind of pushed us to kind of be out there and it's uncomfortable at first but it's important because like this world is rough you got to stake your claim you got to get people out of the way Mm -hmm. and like big yourself up or you'll get look past people Mm -hmm. try to walk over you um and i think mom was always good for that and always kind of if you had an idea if she saw something helping you like to develop that Mm -hmm. idea birth that idea because i can remember being a kid and drawing pictures and stuff and people say oh that's nice mom be like you know you could get some money for them like you got make a copy at work you can sell it her friends used to buy pictures for me from like two dollars i was like young like kindergarten first grade i got like thirty dollars because i sold good i I, I drew a bunch of pictures and copied them and people would come to the house be around like you want to buy one of my pictures (laughs) right but i remember um in country day i was on my way to ceramics class Mm -hmm. because you know private school is just not art and the teachers were my ceramics teacher was out of the class with two other teachers and they were huddled around something looking looking at it and they're you know just in awe and all this other stuff and they called me over there and said do you know your brother did this it was a watercolor um picture of like mountains mm-hmm. and sky so you had to be at second grade first yes. grade something yeah. like that but they were like the gradations of color and the detail was like nothing they had ever seen for see? like a second grader see you know so um i, I think yeah, it was always like 
honing in onto your gifts and talents. But I think too, I, I realized recently that like growing up, there was as much struggle as we went through, like there was never anything that I thought I couldn't do. Absolutely. Right. I didn't really have to like grow into, you know, people talk about coming into their own mm -hmm. and finding their talents and things like that. I think life beat me down enough as an adult where at some point I started stutter stepping and some choices, but like growing up, if I felt like I wanted to do something like, like I remember I came to you and I said, I think I want to act. And I found this management company and I want to audition. And you were like, okay, I can't take you, but if you could figure it out, like I could probably pick you up. And what was your verse? I taught you at four. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Absolutely. Um, but I remember like I called these people and I was like, yeah, I'm interested in acting. And they were like, okay, can you come here for an appointment? So I told you, I was like, they want me to come in. And you're like, well, I'm still going to be at work. And I was like, well, can I take a cab? And you let me take I'll a taxi. Take yeah, a I, which is shocking, actually. Mm -hmm. um, let me take a cab. I must have been like 11 or 12. I went, I met with the manager. Okay. And the deal was I could go. But then either you were going to meet me there, like mm -hmm. one of my aunts and uncles or something to pick me up. They had me read a script on the spot and said, who have you been training with? And I said, nobody. I found you guys in the phone book. And they signed me that day. Mm. And they were like, who are you? And I was just like, I don't know. they like, said that your whole life. Yeah. So, you know, I think you just kind of inst instilled a, a, a fearlessness in us. And if we had fear, um, you know, you just had to do it anyway. Mm. You just had to do You just figured it out. Maybe it worked. Maybe it didn't. And, you know. That was, that was always the thing. Like, mm -hmm. figure, figure it out. You know, I had my issues with certain things in school. But mom was always like... You know, you just got to figure out your way. Right. What works for you and what doesn't work for you. I think that's why I'm so big on now just being comfortable. Mm -hmm. And like, and the older I get, the less I care about. But anybody. What anybody got to yeah. say, how mm -hmm. people do stuff. Like, I realized like through mom, she always used to say, even when I was in high school, and she would always say, you know, you got to write out your goals. You got to figure out your goals. You got to create a path and what works for you. Forget. And that's and that's another thing I give you credit for, because you never compared the two of us, because although me and Delisha are alike in certain ways, we're different in other ways. So I wasn't I was doing my homework on the bus. I was not <laughs> studying. I wasn't doing none of that. But I was smart with a lot of things. I was smart enough to get by. Where I didn't have to work hard. It was just that math because ain't no shortcuts in math. Thing, it's, yeah. There's no short. You literally, you have to do the work in math. Mm -hmm. So you can skate up until certain points, but like you have to learn those equations. You got to sit down and practice. But when you kind of gifted in certain areas, I, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a genius because I'm not, but I could get by in a whole lot of areas without having to put the work in. But that math, mom be like, well, you got to figure it out. You got to set some goals and figure out what you got to do to get around it. I'm not telling you, you got to go to college and be a mathematician. Do what you need to graduate and do the math that you need to get out of college. And like, that's that. Mm -hmm. Um, and fig figure out your own way. And I think, I think, um, I think you, you hear a lot about like helicopter parents. I don't think you were a helicopter parent, but helicopter parents are people trying to live vicariously through their kids and force them to do certain things that and the other. And I, I think you made suggestions, but you would see certain things. OK, he's not into this or this is not for him. You know, you can go this way. Right. Instead of, mm -hmm. you know, trying to shoehorn into people into things that they um they don't want to do. Mm hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't. I never felt forced. If I was forced, I'd probably be a world class church musician right now. You probably would. But be. you know, I'm <laughs> kicking myself because I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. But I also think I was having this conversation with someone recently. It was more so, you know, back then, all there was was being classically trained. That's all, you know, you you had to be, and there is there is value in that. Mm -hmm. Avery Sunshine is an example. Right. But when that's your your roots, but I think had I realized back then if it was more acceptable to like just go into training as an R and B musician or a mm -hmm. jazz musician. 
I probably would have st- stuck with it. But yeah, you weren't the type of parent to be like, you can't quit. What? Like, you know, if you want to move to something, I think we always were involved in something. Yeah. Right. So it never was like you was just at home. But if you wanted to switch gears and try something else, you could. Right. We did. We usually did one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. If it costs money, you do one thing at a time. Uh, okay, if you want to transition out of this, that's fine. But, you know, we're not because I talk my way out of piano lessons and mm-hmm. playing football. I want to play football for years. And mom would be like, oh, it's church on Sundays. I don't want you to get here. All these things. I talked Jared, mom, <laughs> into taking me to all the games in the practice. And she's like, all right, if you want to play football, fine. You know what I mean? I was probably, I was like eighth grade. She was like, but, you know, you can't play the piano no more. I was like, cool. <laughs> now look at me. No NFL. And I still can't read music. But, I made a terrible decision, <laughs> but it was it was my choice to make. Yeah, yeah. and there's one thing I also want to say because, like, we talked about why we're so confident. We talked about why we're so enterprising. We talked about why we are the people that we are. This is something I just gotta I just gotta memorialize in this episode. My mom ain't no punk either. Oh no, it's a fighter, oh. baby. No. <laughs> oh Jesus. No, no kind of punk. No. I ain't gonna get into details, but my man, never been Christian, good Christian, absolutely. And we wasn't raised to to be punks. Yeah, she she will fight you. Like if it came down to it, she's not gonna start it. I'm going, but she's going to finish it. I'm going to finish. She's going to finish it. So I think that you know. Like, as I try to tell people, like, please don't let this calm demeanor fool you. But anybody in our family, there's nobody who's afraid. If they if they're gonna get beaten up, they're gonna get beaten up. They're gonna right. go down fighting. It's, oh, that's just it. That's mom, a must. Mom was always on. So she was never one of them parents that was like, oh, you know, there was no reason why you ever should do. No, there was certain parameters. I knew, like, what I couldn't do. Are you bullying someone? She find out like something like that. Like that's not gonna fly. But you know. I go home with some of these notes and shit. What happened? Well, he pegged me in the head with a basketball and called me a punk. What'd you do? I kicked him. <laughs> I started fighting. She's like, that's what his butt get. <laughs> the truth. I have people tell me all the time, like, you little, what you gonna do? Okay. Oh, don't let the small package fool you, baby. I remember. I'm gonna be brief. I ain't gonna give all the details. You remember this mom when that boy was acting crazy in that locker room when I was in middle school and I beat him with that belt? And I'm thinking, they wrote the note. You don't remember that? I can't remember. This kid was acting wild. I ain't going to go into details. We're going to keep the, the podcast. Mm-hmm. But he did something that was like totally agreed. Mm-hmm. Out, of, out, of out of line. Out of line. So okay. I flipped out. I was punching him. But then I was like, now nah, I'm going to beat your behind since you want to act crazy. So I took my belt off. I'm beating it. The gym teacher broke it up. Got sent to the office. A boy tried to lie on me or whatever. It didn't work. Or whatever. Well, what Some other I people say? came. And like I just remember being, you know how you angry, your ears is high. Mm-hmm. I just remember thinking like, oh my god, I got the because I don't, I don't think they suspended me. I think they just gave me a bunch of detentions, but it was like a few consecutive weeks mm-hmm. of detention. So I'm just like, mom is going to be furious. So she came home. You know, we I. We'd get home before, well, not you, because you'd be at work mm-hmm. or whatever. But shoot, you probably was in college by this time. What grade? This is like maybe sixth or seventh grade. You are. Yeah, in I probably college. was gone. So like, I'd be home. The you know the routine was you know I come home, call mom to let her know I'm <laughs> I'm home. So I didn't mention it on the phone. <laughs> so mom come in. She you know she decompressing from work. She's like hi da 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 da. She walking around and I'm just sitting there like trying to figure out how I'm gonna tell her this. Like my guy in trouble today. She was like, what? 
<laughs> so what did you do? I was like, well, wait, wait. And I started explaining her the story. She was like, he did what? That's what he get. That's what he get. I'm going to call up there because you don't need all that detention. He shouldn't have been doing that in the fight. If he didn't do that, you wouldn't have reacted like that. <laughs> I am the defender. You are that I am. You what, are. Was was wrong is wrong. Yes. With mom, but was right is right. And yeah. she got that that different southern we 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 was uh, Pentecostal but, uh non-denominational, but mom got some Baptist tendencies about us. Listen. I just hey, it's like Delicia in preschool. The little girl used to scratch you every day. He's a scratcher every day. Every day, but we, we put it into that we real quick. We put a smack dab into it. Yes, we did. <laughs> but again, I think it's just a broader lesson about life. Like, in a in a direct way, in an indirect way, I think you always explain to us, if you let people walk over you, they're mm-hmm. going to walk over you. They're going to do whatever. Mm-hmm. And nobody's going to help you. But it all I, I noticed that through grade school and the high school and the college. All you got to do is set one person straight. And other, one. everybody see it, they're like, all right. Don't right. don't bother. And as long as you're respectful, mm-hmm. and your mom, because mom has never been, I've never seen her be one to just go out of her way to act crazy to somebody. It's usually <laughs> some. This has been brewing. Somebody been doing stuff, and mom gonna come at you directly. Like, look. <laughs> but as long as you're respectful and you carry yourself, nothing's gonna happen to you. But people gonna know, like, oh, he's a nice person, or she's a nice person. But yo, do not go playing with them. Mm-hmm. That's our whole family. Yeah. Our whole family is like that. Nobody's ever claimed they can beat everybody. Oh, no. But they're not going to back down. Nobody's going to back down. I'll never forget one time I was out. We were at some conference for work, and somebody was coming for me, running their mouth. And my friend that grew up with me, Gwen, she said, oh, Lord, that woman don't know who she talking to. (laughs) (laughs) She don't know. She don't know. And then that made me realize, oh, my God, so people know who I really am, like, Cross me. Right. And it's an issue. Yeah. So but I mean, I, I'm I'm grateful that I've grown up with that that fearlessness, you know, that just crosses over into to. right. You you were I didn't really have, you know, have that kind of I pressure. Was bullied and man made me. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I think is culturally a lot of people have that story. It's like, okay, don't come home beaten up. That's not yeah. gonna work. That's like ancient now as far as mainstream culture. Right. People don't operate like that anymore. Right. But I think people forget and the world can be kind of tough sometimes and like all of this stuff doesn't stop and then there's unwritten rules and codes to everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mom would always be like, you know, you need to have a conversation with people, talk to people, this, that, and the other. Don't go right. Like Nana used to say that, like, don't nobody like no tattletale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mom might have said that once or twice to me too, but like, you need to talk, no, you need to talk to people. And I, when I had jobs, I always would do that first. I was never a person to run straight to HR. Like, mm-hmm. oh, can I talk to you for a second? And usually when you do that, things will get corrected before you have to bring in the bigger powers. Right. You don't want to be known as the person that runs around. I think, you know, I understand why there's certain parameters and stuff in place now for certain things, especially with dealing with kids. But, you know, these things don't stop. They carry on through all aspects of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. We filled more than an hour. Oh, was there something else that you wanted to say? I see you have your notes over here. No. You good? I'm good. good. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Well, this was fun. Took me down memory lane. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Fun. I'm about to change my bio on Instagram. She said, I was a rough, all American Jamaican boy. (laughs) Yes, you were, though. I got a witness. Remember, even in the playpen. Oh, yeah. From the beginning, you were like hardcore. That's why I'm missing hair in my eyebrow to this day. Yes. Because you were hardcore from the beginning. Yeah. 
just split my forehead right open. You did, man. <laughs> but I love yes. it the same. And if I had to do it all over But again, again this is the rough and tumble thing. Yeah. You split my forehead open with a <laughs> frozen can of juice at the age of one. I didn't even cry. I was just like, oh, I'm bleeding. Yeah. And I needed stitches and it was a whole yeah, we thing. We used to go to the emergency room so much when I was you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> I was always falling off or something. My head. Always doing something. Tried Tough. to catch a whole baseball with no mitt. Oh, remember that? <laughs> Did he see? He didn't want to play ball for a long time. No, that's Even hurt. when I signed him up, he didn't want to play because I still don't know why you, you ran toward the ball with no mitt. Somebody asked to use my mitt mm-hmm. for another one of the kids, so I gave it to him and I thought I could catch it. That's right. Wow. Square, Square in the face. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what you are how it is when you're that age. You just you're not in touch with reality. You think you could do everything. Right. That's true. You definitely yeah. were fearless. Definitely. With the jumping, From the beginning, jumping off of things. Well, oh and, yeah. Yeah. Man, I just, man, I know you're trying to wrap up, but I remember one <laughs> I remember one time I jumped out of a tree with a shopping bag thinking I was going to float. What? I, I learned that day in Nana's backyard. Like, nope. So you're not, you're not <laughs> knock the wind out That's- of myself and everything. Like, nope. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. I think I only had the stitches um, and had a fractured flink finger. That wasn't well, with cousin? you. That was my cousin playing basketball with Dwight. Mom, but that was it. And this is the thing. Mom never even used to flip out. Like, I'd come in the house. She'd be like, what happened? And I was running. I tripped and fell. She'd be like, oh, my God. Now we got to go to Remedy. <laughs> 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 now we got to go to my resident. What's happened, Dad? I got to take this boy to get an x-ray, make sure he ain't break nothing. <laughs> and get a few stitches put in. Because he done fell. <laughs> Constant. You were rough and tumble. You were rough. Always. Always but, rough like and I tumble. Say, if I had to do it all over again with the both of you, I would. I think I am the proudest mom in the world. I got I got the fruit of my labor and I'm very proud of both of you. We appreciate you and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having and, me. And uh having a conversation with us for this Mother's Day week. Anything else you wanna add? Oh, man. I love y'all mothers if you're not doing it already. Yeah, call them if you haven't uh, already. I'm hoping that by the time people heard this, hear this episode, they will have called them uh, for Mother's Day. But tell your mama that you love her. If you enjoyed this episode, of course, it's different than our normal format. But, you know, we've been trying out some new things and really enjoying taking a break from uh, our, our new content. But we do have that coming. New guests, some new micro content that we're working on. It's a lot in the pipeline, um, but we are in, enjoying not only reconnecting with some of our former guests, but also pulling the curtain back a little bit on our life and our upbringing. So thank you all for rocking with us. You know what to do. Like, share, subscribe, comment, tell somebody about the show if you enjoy it. And as always, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER. 